buttoned that up. I'm very relaxed, as you can tell. Big stretcher. What have you got yeah. in your coffee cup? Oh, just tea. <laughs> tea. I didn't. I didn't think it would be the most appropriate thing to come on with a whiskey or a beer or something. So. <laughs> Next, put it away, mate. No, it's definitely not like me usually, but I thought, well, no, I'll be, if I'll at least in my start, I've got to go back to work after this one. Yeah, I've just been out doing some. We're just the, the fruit season starting down here on the farm, so I've just been cleaning up the shop. And my uncle is a great, beautiful man, but he's an absolute terrible hoarder. And I was just throwing out years of stuff he's collected and i'm like why why do we need six telephones <laughs> so you know that's been my uh, that's been my afternoon it's been good you got like a nokia 8210 or whatever it is and <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no was it 3310 those yeah. are the ones you couldn't you could not break them couldn't break that was them. the first one with snake it's probably all you need yeah. mate i'll tell you what yeah. kids these days yeah. we need to go back in time a bit i think absolutely couldn't agree more i saw a meme that said um if you know, imagine if you were locked down with a Nokia thirty two ten. I was like in my head, and everyone's like laughing. I'm like, I think it'd be better. You'd be right. <laughs> I think it'd be better. There'd be no social media, so all you get is information on your TV. You'd watch your news of a night and go, "Cool, I've got to do this." And then during the day, you'd probably actually play snake. talk to your fair. You play play snake play and talk to your hours of snake a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. How'd you go after that workout, Nick? That sounded uh, the Remembrance Day workout. I really uh, think you owe everybody an apology for that workout. It was just, I went so bad at it. Hey, like, I mean, I'm, I love CrossFit and I love all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not good at it. It's just something I like to do. And uh, but every, all the guys I did it with, um, we all just grossly, grossly underestimated how hard it would be and how long it would take. And um, uh, look, I honestly, uh, I'm ashamed to say this, we only got like three rounds in and um, we had to like pull the pin because like there was another class starting and they only got <laughs> they only got a bit ahead of me and they're like really fit blokes. Man, that was uh, that was brutal, absolutely brutal. I didn't oh. see any of your, your guys' uh, online efforts of that one either. But the, time, uh, the times were too quick. It wouldn't have taken up enough social media space. <laughs> Mate, I um, I think I think I put up a video of my time, didn't I? It was like I three know. hours and forty something minutes. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, oh, I, I is... got to about, I got to about the hour and a half mark, and my heart was like gone. I'm like, I've got to finish it because otherwise, um, I I can't really ask other people to do it. But yeah. as far as apologies go, mate, not a chance. No apologies. <laughs> no, no it's definitely a good one. Um, yeah, it'd be good to see like next year. You know, hopefully, um, if you run it again, hopefully get some um. Get some big CrossFitters on board or something like that, and um, be good if it became like a real, real thing. It was definitely a, a cracker. Maybe my suggestion would be personally, you know, perhaps it could be one of those ones that you know starts at eleven reps and then next round's ten, nine, and so on. Yeah, and so, so we're gonna we're gonna make a scaled versions for children and chicks, mate. So you can do that one. <laughs> good. Well, I'll, uh, I'll be definitely keeping an eye out for that one. So. I did. No, I did, so I did the thing, and I did it with my missus, and she's she's mildly. I think she's got idiot strength because she ran up Mount Stewart uh, in. They did some charity run up Mount Stewart in Townsville, and she got rabbed. She got chopped off the hill, full heat stroke, rabdo, <laughs> liver failure, 
doesn't stop. And I'm like, fuck, I have not been in the gym doing this stuff for a while. This is going to suck. And she wouldn't. So we regressed all the weights right back. Yeah. Uh, and it took me two hours, 20 minutes. And, and I got I got an hour and a half in, or probably in, no, an hour in. I'm like, I'm not going to finish this. <laughs> How am I <laughs> yeah, going to come up was, with an excuse? That was horrendous. Um, and, you know, it was obviously one where we were all like, well, we've kind of got to stop because, you know, it's, there's a business about to happen here. and But, like, it, it sort of felt bad. So I honestly don't think I could have done much more than, than that. Um, my heart rate, like, goes to about 180 when I walk up the stairs to go into the gym. So um, I don't know. I've, I've trained a lot, but I don't seem to really get that much fitter. So I must be doing something wrong. But, um, yeah, anyway. So just a, I had a couple of people um, texting. I said, are we getting the Wolf Brothers on on the podcast? What do you want to ask them? And they were like, there's a list of questions, mate. But the, there was a, there's a couple of crackers. I'll send them through. But just a quick one to start, real quick, as quick as you, so two people that dead or alive that you would want to have dinner with and why? Uh, Nick, go. Oh, I need a better answer for this. We get we get this quite a bit, eh, Tom? Um, we do. Man, I don't know. Like, it's a good quick answer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's what you, exactly what you want in a podcast. Silence. You know, well, oh, man. Uh, Tom, help anyone? I, I I would be going like, I'm all about the Beatles and I'm all about Paul McCartney, so I'd be like, can I have a nice vegetarian meal with you, Mr. Paul McCartney? But then I'd like to like probably just get my dad back from the dead for the night mm. um, just to, you know, make him eat a steak. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that would be – Dad would be good. That, that, that would be a, a very good one. But, um, you know, yeah. in, in terms of a celebrity sort of thing, um, you know, I wouldn't mind to have, have tea with the old James Hetfield from Metallica. That would be a pretty solid one, I reckon, you know. He's uh, yeah. been a big yeah, that would be good on us, uh, particularly in our young, um, angry, guitar-learning sort of years. So that would that'd be pretty good, I reckon. Yeah, nice. What? Um, because your 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 dad's anniversary was only what twenty third of November, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only was and it was four years, which is unbelievable to think. It's that's four years since he went, but you know, like I, I can't speak for Nick, but I think we're both pretty. Like I, I feel comfortable to talk about it. I I feel good memories of him now. It's not a sadness. I mean, you're sad and you miss them, but. I I think back of him and it's good good memories and positive stuff and I don't know you know so I I kind of I'm in a good place with it if that makes sense you know I sort of think I've gone through the whole grief stage and come out the other end feeling feeling pretty good about it. Is there stuff that is there because the boys are suffering? There's some boys that are suffering, especially with the the suicide rates at the moment um, in, in army and loss. Is there is there stuff that you know now that you wish you knew before that you that, that would help you? deal or or stuff that you know like oh this is just part of the process yeah i think it is part of the process i know i went through a bit of an angry phase um but i think the best thing is really and it sounds almost might even sound cliche because you hear it so much is just talking i actually went and saw a um, psychologist because i kind of realized that well this is going to boil up and become something else and you know 
physically and, and mentally I was not prop I was not looking after myself at all. So I went and saw a psychologist and um yeah, that really helped. Really, really helped and um I think I had about six sessions and we just sort of dealt through it over the course of a few months and um yeah, I that that really helped me. That would be my thing. I think you gotta you can't hold it any of it in. You've got to talk to people, you've got to get it out, otherwise it's going to manifest itself in you as something, whether it's a sickness or a mental illness or, you know, you know, your mind and your body are very connected, I think. I wish I'd I mean, actually sort of got some sort of professional, uh, you know, whatever you did, Tom. You know, like for me it's sort of like when he passed away at the time, you know, it was he had like quite a rapid um, cancer. It all happened all at once and we were sort of looking after him and then, you know, he, all the stuff, you get his funeral going and it was all kind of right at that time. And then um, I guess for me, it wasn't until like a year or so later or something, then I, I just sort of was like all kind of hit me at once and, and just realised how much I, I missed him and, and how, yeah, how much it was kind of affecting me. And, um, yeah, I mean, even, even now, you know, it's sort of one of those things, you know, every now and again just sort of creeps up on you and you, and you kind of, Start thinking about it and um, gets to you a bit, but uh, yeah, as you say, I think yeah. Talk, as soon as you talk about it with, you know, we've talked about it, Tom, and more mm-hmm. open stuff. You are, it's, it definitely feels like a weight comes off the shoulders. That's for sure. Absolutely, I think it's important. Like instead of going to Karen from Facebook or go to your mates for advice, <laughs> when your car's broken yeah. down, you know, you when you. Get, rebuild, you crack a head. You're not going to get your mate over who does nothing about cars to help you rebuild. No. <laughs> Got to go see a professional. And yeah, oh well, I think you know, as you say, Karen from Facebook. I think we're forgetting that you know, there's people that have studied things and are actually experts in certain fields. <laughs> you know, you know, and um, maybe Facebook's not the place to answer all your questions. But yeah, it is. It's hundred percent is talking about it and. Um, yeah, it really, it really helped me. And I think what you also learn is when you're doing it is you're also thinking and feeling things. You haven't when you're talking about it, you sort of start answering your own questions. If that makes sense. The time you start putting it out loud, you're like, oh, that makes it's like little yeah, light it comes bulb together moments. and starts making sense when you start saying it out loud. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I think so that's, um, they're the best. The best psychs are the ones that ask one question really quickly and then just shut up and listen and you absolutely. just unload. And then halfway through it, you're like, ooh, I think I just solved my own problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I found, um, I must remember when I went for my first session. I mean, I love to chat, as you can tell. Um, but I even thought, what am I going to talk to this guy about? And then, and then he just, he literally asked three questions, and then it was like 45 minutes later. And I was like, ah, oh, right, okay. <laughs> so there you go. Is that, I mean, because going and getting a psych that actually fits as well when, when you're, you're trying to find the right fit and talk, it's hard to walk in and, and go, is it hard for you guys being in the public eye so much going forward and going, oh, because they'd be like, oh, that's Nick and Tom, the Wolf Brothers, and he's, you know, he's having issues in seeing a psych. Was that something that was a barrier for you? Uh, not not so much for me. I'm, I, I've been pretty open about it, and I think, you know, we need to be open about this stuff, be very open. Um, that's not so much of a barrier for me. 
I, I do have a, some barriers when it comes to the public. I, I don't really care what people think of me. You know, I know what I'm about and what I stand for. But, yeah, I would say, um, no, that didn't bother me too much. I don't know if it would, Nick. Um, no, not, not so much from a, a um, you know, being known from the band sort of thing. But, I mean, I, I, I've i never seen a, a psychiatrist, psychologist, um, which, whichever one of those is applicable. <laughs> but I've never actually been. And, and I've often thought, man, you know, probably wouldn't hurt to, to chat to someone about this sort of stuff, you know. Um, I, I tend to get, like, t- terribly uh, in my own head and, um, you know, it's been a weird uh, year not playing and not being out on the road with the boys and, you know, Tom and I live three hours apart and for most of this year we couldn't even get together to see each other, you know. So um, I, I think also not having that this year where we've been able to get on the road with the boys and just get in the car and head out to a gig and talk absolute nonsense and, you know, have that, that outlet and chat to the boys sort of thing. Not having that, I've, I've kind of um, gone a bit, a um, little bit uh, inward probably, you know, up here. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, so I probably, I, I really should probably <laughs> talk to somebody in that uh, in yeah. that space at some point, you know. I don't think, though, Nick, you're not the only one this year who'd Ooh, be no. dealing with that. I think, you know, everyone's been locked down. Their whole way of life's been changed, I think. I think there'd be more people feeling that in the world right now than probably ever. I think you could say, yeah. Easily, oh, know? yeah. I mean, our, totally, our our uh, our routine has been completely blown out of the water. Even though our usual routine is such a crazy one, in that you know our normal line of work is, you know, fly out Wednesday, Thursday, or something, drive around, do some gigs, drink. Have fun, yeah. <laughs> uh, get home Monday, wash your clothes, and do it again. But um, you know, uh, there's a lot more to it than that. But that's that's yeah, well, that's some fun but, stuff. But, just um, just more drinking, yeah. <laughs> less washing your clothes. Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah, and not not just that full change to like, okay, now I'm home, and yeah, right. So this is this is what happens here. <laughs> but I mean, we, that's it. It's been it's been in my other ways quite a. a Great year, you know. We've um, I've, I've never spent so much time. Uh, this sounds a bit um, lame, but not lame. It's great to spend time with your wife, but um, you know, I've literally <laughs> never spent so much consecutive days with my wife. You know, because um, we've always been away playing. So it's uh, yeah. it's been that's been really nice. And I'm my, quite my, my, I'm kind of a homebody as well. You know, so because um, it's a lack of. It, it, we, we did a survey with a bunch of high-end shooters, uh, combat vets who have been outside of the wire into it, and we said, um, we, we, we put the survey out and we asked them, what is it that actually affects your mental health? Um, is it PTSD? We, we, and we let them answer the question, and the four biggest ones they came back with was lack of tribe, lack of identity, lack of purpose, lack of routine. And that is exactly what the entire Western world, well, everyone in the world is facing right now that goes into lockdown. Yeah. You guys can't go. Yeah. Your routine's gone. You, tr- you just said your tribe is split apart. Split. Uh, that is, and it's like absolutely spot it's on. Spot on. And, and I think um, for, for us, to a degree, like 
and I know, especially for myself, um, playing live, I kind of have always looked at that as that's my biggest strength in the Wolf Brothers. You know, like I think Nick's Nick's probably a bit more studio songwriting orientated than I am. Playing live for me is where. And I'm the type of guy, if I do something, it's 100% or nothing. So when I play live, that's just how I am. And I have sort of haven't had that um, outlet this entire year. And it's it's been, yeah, it's been, that's, I won't lie, that's that's affects you. I always, always you. thought, you know, I was, I'm sort of one of those people that sort of, hates a lot of people and um you know <laughs> and you know and actually playing to crowds at times i'm like oh god you know leave me alone oh, sake. <laughs> no, that sounds terrible but um yeah but actually not not having that um at all may has sort of made me see how much i actually do value you know you can't just sort of be at home on your own for like 12 months and it's just not not good i don't think you know so nah. we're very very much looking forward to when I mean, things get a bit more back to normal we can get out there and, and play to real people because you know we've been doing the live streaming thing and but man it's not you know talking to a screen it's better than nothing but um you know it's, yeah because you were saying that you had, a, you had a post the other day you were saying you know you've got quite a few followers uh on across your social media platforms and you were saying Hey, Facebook, what's going on? I got seventy four thousand this and and that, and and it it, it wasn't really going out to people either, as well, was it? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think that one uh, was some sort of uh, Facebook rolling out um, how they do music videos um, differently now, but I don't think it's been uh, sort of approved or worked out in Australia. So whilst we saw it our end and it was going to the states, um, no one in Australia, which the predominantly audience of our page is, hence why no one would see it they just see a blank thing which is really helpful when you're trying to release a music video <laughs> but um yeah you know but that said you know yeah, it's it's uh it's always a bit of a challenge to get it's surprisingly how hard it is to get things across to your actual audience numbers on social media like this. it's become harder and harder to like even with the live streaming and so many people live streaming this year it's now like you can actually see in the stats of how many people you're reaching, it's got less and less over the last sort of six months. And even I've looked at some of the numbers that are watching, they're the same, but it's actually not reaching as many people. So, yeah, it's it's a bit disappointing, you know, because at the end of the day, they want money. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> they, that's, want that's pay, they want you to pay for it. They want your money. Like Facebook you know, is suspend. an advertising company now. And they've, I Absolutely. mean, now with everybody or every company trying to figure out how they get their brand message in front of people while everything's gone digital through COVID, it's every single company on the planet is now spending money with Google and Facebook to advertise. Absolutely. And they've only got so many slots in your news feed. And, and they, they take out shit that people want to see and they'll put in shit that they want people to see. So, yeah. Oh, it's, t- it's totally controlled, totally controlled. I will say, though, like, it does, it works. Like, we used to sort of spend a lot on when you could do live shows. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we'd sort of designate a bit of money for each gig, but it, it works. You, you, know, you know it works, you know. So, um, it, look, with it, there is positives, but, mm. yeah, there's some serious negatives, especially when I guess it's I'm just, not just I guess what all you- I'm saying is I'm just, yeah. 
sick of writing songs with people through a computer and, and like, I just want to get back in rooms with people and jam it out and bloody talk to real people again, you know? It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, I, for someone who's not an, that much of an outgoing person, I, I, this year has made me kind of realize how important just that just is, you know, just mm. literally talking to people. Because <laughs> you've got a pretty big audience base uh, in America. Um, and it, what's the cut through being Australian country? What's the difference between Australian country? So a lot of the boys, especially the uh, the infantry boys, are starting to really pick up the country music stuff. It's going viral through through the battalions at the moment as well. What's the difference between American country and Australian country? I, I don't know if there's a huge difference. I mean, there's obvious differences. Like you've got guys like John Williamson and Lee Kernigan who are literally singing like True Blue and she's my ute and it's like fair dinkum australian emus rum you know it, that is it's, it's 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 words that would not work to americans but i think the thing with country music is is the storytelling and i think that's i personally think that's why in the last few years country music's becoming so it's like having this full resurgence in this new life is because i think pop music's almost got to a point where it's like one word and then a beat and then a dance move. I mean, like, that doesn't nourish the soul. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I can swear on this, but yeah, 100% you can. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> like, you know, you listen, to, you listen, that's fucking terrible. You know, like, you know, 60, uh, 40, 50 years ago, pop music was some of the greatest songwriters of our time. Now you got guys fucking hitting a few things on a laptop. You know, anyway, I won't start. No, but and I, I think, think they've got a lot to answer for, mate. Um, I think they do. And I think. What's happened is country music's come along, guys like Luke Combs, and it's it's authentic. And it's guys who are – like Luke Combs is a great example the last few years is big boy, big beard, wears fishing shirts on stage, and it's just completely blown up because it's real. People can look at him and hear him sing and go, I totally relate to what you're saying. You're not pretending. You're not trying to be something you're not. You're just writing good songs, singing them well. And it's like – that's always been the formula that works, but I think somewhere along the line, a lot of people forgot that. So the big, to answer your question, the big difference, um, I think some of the storytelling, I know me and Nick have always made it our mission to be um, as not try and go like, this is my truck and I'm down in Mississippi. <laughs> like before, not just, which we would kind of consider selling out, but write songs that no matter whether you're in Australia or you're in America, um, you hear it; it's going to work. Yep. You know that that's that's kind of what we've done. Yeah, we've just tried um, to and it's you, you know, use language that's um, universal. Like we'd we'd never, yeah, we're probably not going to write, you know, the ballad of Kangaroo Jack or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, we're not. Well, we're also well. not going to, you know, write a song called "Y'all Hop in the." truck let's drink some bread <laughs> solos you know um so but yeah at the end of the day i think the the core thing is though that it, it, it's it's a very honest sort of music and the stories are great compared to a lot of the, the stuff that you hear probably on on mainstream um well, gets, radio because i was thinking about this the other day right when you talk about the storytelling piece is um you see people and and they they've got headphones in 24 7 and they're not fucking listening to 
um, John Hopkins' new research into whatever. Hey, I listen to music, right? And and everyone, maybe I'm showing my cards here, but everyone has a breakup track, maybe that they they got songs that they like to put themselves into a hole with. Nelly. And I think, yeah, okay. Oh, country is uh, <laughs> your genre for that for sure. Oh yeah, but yeah. the language yeah. in some of the the pop music these days, uh, or, or the music, is is about like if you listen to some of it, it is it is about uh, victimhood and um, like they talk about. I'm I'm so heartbroken now that I can't. I'm I'm not with this person, and they the people listen to it over and over again. A thoughts a beliefs a thought you keep thinking. You keep mm. throwing this stuff in yeah. people's heads. They're going to believe it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, uh, music very much controls, control can control your emotions. You know, when I mean, you've only got to watch a, go to a gig to watch that. You know, you play a ballad, and then all of a sudden you play something farts, and the room starts dancing and moving. Like, you know, it very much controls how we think. And I think you're spot on. If I think the, if you've had a bad breakup, I know I've done it. I've just put on George Jones and sat down and drank heaps of whiskey, and that's not good. That's not, that's not a good thing, you know. Um, I think maybe you need to do that once. But, yeah, I think, you know, I think the music you listen to really can control how you feel. You know, I've always said, um, you know, Huey Lewis and the news, um, um, it's hip to be square. Hip to be square. If you're depressed, put that song on and try not to smile. Hip to be you're like, yeah, okay, today's not so bad. Yeah. Right, let's get to it. Uh, is there stuff that you I'll won't – so you're songwriting now. Is there stuff that you – and knowing that, is there stuff that you will not write about? Is there a no-go area for the Wolf Brothers to go like, you know what, we are not writing songs about X? Um, I don't know if we've ever really had a situation where we said we're not going to write this. I think we've had – um. I think Nick may disagree, but I think there's definitely songs about our exes we've written, but I think we've sort of approached them. It's a bit subconscious. <laughs> it's sort of coming through a bit. Um, I know for me, I sort of draw on the best songs I write. I sort of have to draw on a bit of real life. I almost have to, I've got to put myself there. Um, but I don't think there's stuff we wouldn't write about, or if there is, I don't, I can't think of a situation where we've gone, no, I'm not writing about that. I guess, okay. yeah, it's just probably the um, what matters to us is the the integrity of it. I guess if you know if we if we wouldn't read through the lyrics and at the end of the day go, yeah, we believe in that. That's that's sort of real, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of where we draw the line. Like, like if you if there's a song about you know Tom and I rocking up to a nightclub in a um, you know a limousine um, Hummer. And um, you yeah, know, getting out in a tuxedo. Not happening. That's that's probably <laughs> probably not what we'd be into. You know, I'd say <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not it's probably gonna not, work. Yeah, no, yeah, that's probably where I draw. Yeah, line. I think I think that's spot on. As long as it's, I think if it's real to us, um, that's sort of because we have recorded a couple of songs. We not a lot, but a couple of songs we haven't written. Um, and one of them was called "That Kind of Night" and. I remember when we sort of first heard that and it was pitched to us, we went, well, you know what, that's something we feel like we would have written and we'd say. So that's why we recorded it, you know. We're probably not going to cover um, Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, where yeah. do you get your so yeah. you sit there, you're banging songs out. Where do you is there a point where you like pick up a guitar and you're like, fuck, I don't know. Like, where do you get your inspiration? Or if you're having a having a dull or, or a lull, what is there stuff you do to reset? Like, who was who's that famous dude from he was an author from Living in Las Vegas, was it? And he would he could only write good stuff. Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson wrote at two in the morning when bent. he was fucking sideways, mate. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> Maybe that's where we're going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, it is bloody actually really hard to consistently come up with just solid ideas. I mean, you can bang out any sort of song. You can bang out a song if you don't care in bloody... 10 minutes if you really don't care but that's a, that's a problem we do care we want to make good music we want to make songs we believe in and, and those those sort of core ideas that form the songs that are, are much harder to come by you know and we've sort of been doing yeah. a lot more writing this year because we haven't been out playing live and it's been good um as i said not really into the talking in the screens but it's actually allowed us to write uh with a lot of the people we go and co-write in the states with um, it's forced them online, so we haven't had to actually go over there. And um, I don't know. I don't know how guys like that, like the Nashville songwriting sort of, um, you know, format. There, there are blokes over there, men and women over there, that that literally their job is to go in. They have a write in the morning. They have a, another write in the afternoon. At the end of the day, they've probably written yeah two, three songs with different people that come in in an office. You know, to to think the pressure i just couldn't imagine like how you would come up with stuff like and they're writing the most amazing country songs you know out there so there's some very talented people but um yeah you know it is it is bloody hard to um sort of get things out of the well when it's uh, a bit dry and it's a bit dry at the moment actually tom and i have had a few rides recently of, we've struggled on but um the last couple of rides have been a bit oh Walking out the room, making a cup of coffee. Although, although that said, it's still worth it's still worth showing up because um, just recently we had a write and it went. I think it was a record for us. Uh, It went for nearly eight hours, and all um, all on all on wine for eight hours. Yeah, yeah, doing this for eight hours. Meetings were long. Yeah, and you you can't um, you can't you know play in real time. With each other, so in a normal right, you know, kind of, you come in, have a chat. Hey, I got this idea. Oh yeah, I like that. Let's start working it. You know, and then something will click. Everyone gets excited. You jam it together. Oh, we all get excited, and the flow happens. On on uh, online, you can't do that. You can just it's everyone in their own the safety of their own uh, space. You know, just giving you nothing back <laughs> so yeah. like eight hours of that but that said um you know it took like eight hours but uh the the guy who we're writing with really likes the song he's um quite a well-known artist and looks like he's gonna cut it and make it a single for him so you know it was it's kind of worth showing up even though it's uh can be pretty bloody uninspiring <laughs> you guys, so that, are we are we looking at a creative drought in the next twelve months? Like, 
country music, no. especially, like we said, storytelling is what half of it's all about, right? For the last 12 months, no yeah. one's got any stories to tell other than hanging out in the house. And it's like comedy. You only the, the first person gets out there and does a joke about Corona, then everyone else is fucked because there's not a lot of jokes. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just recycling content. So we're looking yeah, at well, like I'll- the next 12 months, we've got nothing new coming out from, from anyone uh- or... I don't know. I know for us personally, we've sort of been forced with the no touring to go, well, what can we do? We, we've actually recorded like two albums worth of material in the last sort of six months. So we're kind of toying with the idea of releasing whether it be a double album of all these songs at once or whether we release it as kind of a, I don't want to use the word concept album, but whether it's like two albums that sort of come together as one when they're all out, I don't know. But so for us creatively, it's been really good. I've actually enjoyed, I think sometimes when you're out of your comfort zone and a bit pushed, it can do good things. And I think it has been like that for us. We've kind of gone, well, we can't be in the studio together, so what can I do? Well, I can record bass tracks here, send them up to you or, you know, I can go to my cousin's house and do whatever, you know, you just make it work. And that's kind of what we've done. And it's actually, we only just got a bunch of mixes sent to us um, just like last week and I've been listening to them and it's feeling great. So I think it will, I think it will inspire a new set of stories. It'll be interesting to see what comes. I mean, Luke Combs again, six feet apart, that came out at the start of COVID. I mean, geez, what a, geez, what a, Great song, good what a tune. creative dude! Yeah, you know, good tune, and just being able to just release and throw that out there, like man. So, when you think, like particularly in country music, you just think. I sometimes think every, you know, surely every hook, every cool catchphrase, every little, you know, country type saying that could possibly be used in a song has been done now, and yet year after year, like there's people just find such clever, clever ways of twisting, you know, words into, into different because and saying things different ways. It's, 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 I'm always amazed. So I don't think there'll be a drought in uh, in songs. I think we're pretty right there. But um, maybe for uh, maybe for us, we need to, uh, you know, let the well fill up for a couple of weeks or something. <laughs> because, because they're at that point where um, – is there – I had a mate who's a bit of a – I know nothing about it. I wouldn't know which way to hold a guitar, mate, to be honest. Uh, what do they, um, they're going to run out of music, right? Eventually there's only so many octaves. <laughs> like is there, like uh, mathematically? Yeah, mathematically. Like, yeah, like, well, yeah. So in Western music there is 12 notes. Is that correct? Is there 12 notes. Holy yeah, fuck, are we about notes. to do actual maths on this podcast? Because someone's yeah. going to get a calculator. <laughs> Quick math. Well, yeah. there is. There's only 12 notes That's 12, in yeah. Western music. And like all the music we've heard in the last hundred years has come from those twelve notes, so I think we'll be. I think we'll be right. It's, it's pretty. It's, it is pretty amazing when you think of how how such what varied and amazing you know music that's come out using those twelve notes over history, and that that's all, still all I've got, and still daily people are creating probably you know. I don't know. I wonder how many songs are written every day. Can you know, go, money. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's <laughs> like saying there's 26 letters in the alphabet. Have we we can't write any more books because we've used too many words already? Yeah, you just yeah, rearrange exactly. them. You yeah. just throw them back in the mixer and then spit out something new. Yeah, I think that's a really good analogy of it. You know, um, 
Yeah, and I mean, I think with music, though, one thing always inspires the next thing, you know, like Little Richard and Chuck Berry inspired the Beatles and then the Beatles inspired guys like the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac and then they inspired these 80s bands and then the hair metal bands came and then, you know, like... Then grunge is a reaction to hair metal. Yeah, yeah, and then grunge came because there was all these guys wearing spandex and no shirts and bigger hair than their wives, you know, then all of a sudden grunge happened and... So, yeah, I, I think I don't think we will. I don't think we will. Have, have you, ever, have you ever gone into the studio and started jamming out a song and someone's like, hang on, Tom, you fucker, that's X song. <laughs> yeah, often. And you're like, oh, <laughs> and you're like fuck. <laughs> I've written the Mix, song. actually. Yeah, so uh, in Nashville a few years ago, had a co-write with two really good writers over there and um, took in this idea and, um, you know, oh, yeah, it's really good, started writing it, started jamming it, and then... We've got about three hours in, and then just sort of out of the out of the blue, out of the subconscious, I'm like, "Hang on, hang on." I think I think we better just YouTube something here, boys. And um, <laughs> and we'd written a song that was like almost identical to the song. None of us owned the song. None of us actively listened to the song. We just heard it on the radio or you know the shopping centres or whatever, and. Um, We'd pretty much not written it word for word, but it followed, um, you know, the same structure, the same shape, probably the same bloody key and same tempo. And we're just like, well, fuck. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's three yeah. hours wasted there. And it was actually a really good song. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this is too close. To, but it's amazing how yeah. it comes out. I've actually heard this Steve Vai, a, um, a really well known guitarist. And he wrote, uh, it's like an instrumental guitarist. He wrote like a. Do you think he did a whole album or something, and um, and played it to someone? And they're like, "Oh, this is a really good cover of um, uh, <laughs> like Andrew Lloyd Webber or something like that." Like, what? Yeah, you know, like Andrew Lloyd Webber, like the cover you've done. No, this is my. <laughs> oh, that's this, bad. Yeah, but and it's just subconsciously wrote it. Well, mate, note for note, you know, to put so to put your mind at ease, Max yeah. will probably shut me up at this, but. The human brain is incapable of a completely unique idea, right? You can't you can't sit there right now and go come up with a new number. Your brain can't do it. Come up with a new color. Sure. Your brain can't do it. So essentially everything we create is just a mashup of shit that we've absorbed at some stage and proper artists like yourselves are the ones that can take all that shit in, mash it together and spit it out in a way that is is good for the world. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. for our best. Well, we're trying. <laughs> the, uh, we're definitely we're going. We definitely go into songwrites, and you know, whether might even actively say like, "Hey, let's try to get something like blah," you know, and uh, reference a song, or you just start picking at something, but it'll, you'll actually be sort of subconsciously putting out the vibe of another song, you know. Mm. And I, I loved like, that. I know Paul, that... Paul Kelly, like um, he'll even literally he's like. In his book, I think, um, said he'll just actually take, you know, great songs and literally just use the, the words they've got and just replace them with different words, like the syllable structure <laughs> of those words. <laughs> and, um, well, I mean, you know. That's amazing. If it works, the formula works, you know, just yeah. change the words. You know, often you change the tune and that, but, like, as a, it's a I guess it's a good, I might try that, actually. Not too bad. Yeah, I might do it too. <laughs> the last time, I mean, you guys have even started mashing genres together. I think that the last 
correct me if I'm wrong, like my musical fucking knowledge is pretty pretty minimal. But <laughs> last the last time we came to see you play was at uh, what's that pub in Townsville called? Dalrymple. Dal at the Dalrymple. And you're halfway through a song. I can't remember the name of it. It's the first time I'd heard it. And then it just j jumped straight from country into like a bluesy kind of vibe. And I'm like, ooh, this is fucking a bit different. And that's, I think yeah. that's, that's gold. Like, take, you go, we've got a genre of music. There's, there's X, Y, Z, however many genres there are. And they go, nah, fuck that. Let's just mash two together and see what comes out. I think that's, that's the future. Well, I think, yeah, you're spot on. It's definitely the future. I think if we keep, you know, putting everything into genres, it, it's probably, we might even run out of songs. Um, for us, I think early on in our career, we we almost had to to the maybe the old guard in Australian country music. I don't want to say we had to prove ourselves that we were country music, but I kind of felt like we had to prove ourselves that we were country music. We put an album out, Country Heart, which you know, won a heap of awards and was wonderful, and I think well and truly established that. And you know that was so amazing. And then I think since then. Now I know me and Nick are both creatively gone, okay, well, we've proved that, we've done that, what can we do? And as you say, there's bluesy feels, There's we're even putting our toe slightly into the pop world. Yeah, what's that, what's um, that No Breaks? Was, it, was that poppy? Yeah, 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 it was very poppy. And I was, I will eat my hat and say everyone was like, we've got to put this out, this is a smash. And, like, it went number one for seven weeks on the country chart, like actually the longest-running number one single on the Australian country radio charts, I was like, this will end our career. I'm like, this is going to end our – I'm like, if we put – I was almost thinking, like, well, that's it. The Wolf Brothers is done. Like, I'm thinking it's done. It's ama it is amazing how those thoughts snowball, though, because, I mean, like, yeah, it was uh, definitely, yeah, a bit more poppy than what we've uh, messed with in the past. And, yeah, I guess, yeah, just – but yeah, that's right. You sort of overthink your own um, brand and over – yeah, you know, over, well, thinking Because you guys are th third generation, third generation musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, our, yeah um, third or fourth. Yeah, our, yeah. Grand, our great grandfather um, was a fiddle player, uh, and then uh, our grandfather uh, Ernest Wolf, he was um, a saxophone player mostly. Played a lot of different instruments. Had uh, the Wolf Family Orchestra, which would tour around Tassie, playing at different you know shindigs and in halls and the like back in the day. And, uh, and then dad was a drummer and, and here we are now. But, uh, and there's actually been people that have been like, oh, you know, we used to come and watch your, your grandfather back in the hall and, and your dad and now watching us, which is pretty, pretty crazy. So, so is genetic, yeah. so there's a, there's a big one that, that they talk about and they talk about genetic memory, how, how like birds will know um, where water is or an animal that will know how to do something that couldn't have possibly been taught by their parents. There's no way they know how to do it. And, uh, you know, yeah. this genetic memory where it's passed down, it, is it a thing or is it because you're just surrounded by nurture nature thing? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, it's uh, probably, I guess you probably, probably, probably think what's around you, I think. I, I mean, when I was, you know, just old enough to walk, Mum tells a story that I kind of she heard this um, John Denver song being played from the piano, and come in. And I was just sitting there like playing the tune on the piano, and it, like I don't think I could talk at that time. 
you know. So oh, Mozart over I mean, there. No, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to give myself a fucking musical genius. I'm just, no, I'm no, just no, saying. No, I'm just saying. But if I'm the boot saying, fits. You know, Mum played a fucking job in the car and then I picked it up. <laughs> no, no, that is amazing. That is amazing. Mum and Dad used to always tell that, and um, it's incredible, really, that you could do that. But I think that's just there must be something in the wiring of your brain, and whether that's come from Dad, you know, sort of having an understanding of music, like being able to hear that tune, have no idea how to play a piano, but just kind of hear the notes and is that and figure is it that out. Called, like, that's really that's really cool. is that called Pitch Perfect? I know I have a few mates that can pick no, up amazing. songs real easy. They can listen to a song and then just go to a piano and then find it and then pl- learn how to play it themselves. Per- perfect pitch uh, is, is, I think, a step sort of, yeah, kind of almost above that. Uh, so there's different levels, but, like, I-, I can't do this and very, very few people can do this. It's like like if we said, okay, sing a C sharp, they'd just go, ah, uh, no, yeah, I bet right. that wasn't a C sharp. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, Let me check. Yeah, being on, like... <laughs> He's about a tone no, out. <laughs> yeah, so um, I had a, a lecturer at uni who could do that. And um, yeah, and that's just, I mean, that is unbelievable, that sort of stuff. There's a uh, kid on the internet, um, and he, his dad will play these huge jazz chord vo- voicings, you know, that don't even sound like to the sort of normal ear that we hear in the radio like it would be a chord. It just sounds like a mush of dissonant bloody notes. And he would go, oh, yeah, that's a C-sharp diminished bloody uh, demented ninth, you know, and um, <laughs> it would be totally right. And you can hear every single note in that cluster. Oh, yeah. it, yeah. it's, it's unreal, yeah. But, uh, no, nah, not us. We're just bloody old raspberry Mate, farmers, look, you guitars. Know, ra- <laughs> G, G, C, D, and E minor, mate. You'll be right. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> so, how do you how do you go from uh, farmers? Obviously, music's in the in the family, and then go. You know what? F- how do you deal with the anxiety of going? Fuck it. Let's go and play in front of. I mean, you did. You went back and did X Factor when you were already on the scene as well. How do you deal with the anxiety of? Are we going to fuck it? Is I mean, is there things that you do um, before you go on stage like? We're gonna. Sh- I'm gonna drink fucking half a bottle of bourbon, or I'm gonna fucking. I meditate uh, out the back no. for thirty minutes, or pretty. Done, pretty done all those things. <laughs> done all of those. You yeah. tried all those uh, approaches, but, actually. Yeah. At yeah. the same time, but the best. The best is just you know. Nick talked about before about having your tribe. I find the best is just sort of getting together with the with the band and the crew and just sort of spending twenty minutes before the show. Just oh yeah, cheers. Let's do this. Yeah, okay. We just have um. We have a one fireball shot before we go on and we do a group huddle and we just sort of, you know, little, it's not a big football, yeah, it's just a little, hey, little huddle and it's just, you know, no big prayers, nothing too, no big, big thing. Just, and it, it always makes us feel like, good, we're a team, we got this. And I think we've always had that approach. We, we've been lucky to have that and have, I think, have the two of us, to make a lot of these hard decisions, sort of know we've got each other's back. Like I feel, do feel for solo artists. Like I think, you know, some of the decisions we have to make in the music business, especially this year with just watching our business literally disappear before our eyes, like it's so tough. And I think if you're a solo artist, having to deal with that your own would be even worse. But that that was a that's a big thing for us. And I think we were very lucky 
like in the early days, mum and dad were incredibly supportive, you know, like um, I remember I'm a, believe it or not, I'm a qualified carpenter joiner and literally the day I got my ticket, I was went home, I was like, I was qualified and I was like, dad, qualified, I think I'd like to quit now and I'd like to just do music. Now, my mother's like in the kitchen like biting a nail, like, oh, you can't quit your job, you can't quit, you know, like she's just worrying. <laughs> and I just remember dad just really calmly just, just going, Yep, because I think that part of your life's over now. You need to go and, and do this. Like, it was, yeah, it was it was so supportive, but they also weren't show parents. We see the odd show parents at gigs and, you know, parents of kids who are more, like, involved in the kids' career than the, like, than the artists. Like, let them figure, you know, you've got to let them figure it out. Don't tell them who they've got to be. Just let them, let them work it out. And Dad was really good at that. He'd always support us. You know, we pretty much, when we started playing as a band, we just went to the shed and got his band's PA and we're like, cool, we're going to, um, we're going to use this, <laughs> so, you know, things like that. But he just let us, let us be us and let us find our way, which is really cool. Really, really cool. And, um, so yeah, we're just sort of very lucky to have the support. I think if we didn't have that amount of support, probably in them early days, we probably wouldn't have. I don't think we would have had the success we've had. It's good. It gets back to what you said before about uh, what was it? What you say? You think a thought enough, and you believe it. That, you know, that, what was? What exactly did you say? Uh, what is it? A, a belief is a thought you keep thinking. Yeah, you know, and I think we sort of they were just so supportive our entire lives, and you know, you, I guess on one hand you don't think you can ever actually do music as a career. It seems like a very very out there sort of thing. But on the other hand, I kind of always thought we would. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, yeah. You know, because they, I'm the same. Because they had instilled such a kind of support in us. That, I know it might sound a bit weird, but I almost kind of believe no. we would get to do it. Well, I, can remember, I remember um, we, we went to a um, private school in primary school and then mum and dad took us out of the private school and sent us to a public school in high school purely on the base that that had the best music department, that had the best music teachers and the best music department. I can remember as Nick would go to school with mum and dad, dad's like, yeah, no, this is good. Like, you'll, you'll do really well here. And they were right. We did really well. Like, So, yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I, we've been very lucky. Like, I don't know I am. I'm a very driven person. Like, if I'm going to do something, it's, it's all in, nothing. Quite often... I take on lots of things and I'm like in the deep end, you know. And, <laughs> you I, know? and then, but I always find a way out, you know. I'm very much a, a procrastinator. So um, I think the sum of our parts, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't yeah. Tom's sort of drive and, um, you know, outgoingness, you know, I, I don't think we, if, if we, Tom and I were just solo artists, I don't think maybe either of us would have got anywhere, you know. it's It's been a very good, combination of personalities and, and kind of traits, I think, which has been good. Yeah. Mate, I reckon Same you're lucky you went to a bloody public school. There's not, there's, there's, Surely there's not a lot of country singers out there with good stories to sing about that come from <laughs> fucking private schools. <laughs> well, no, that's what, uh, oh, that's I liked it. Went to, went to public school and there's kids in my class rocking up stone. I thought, this is Fuck pretty yeah. good, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, if you, if you had a state at a private school, you probably would have joined the army as an officer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, so do you have to, is there, 
So you're like, righto, um, the psychology of, of, of forming a band, having a band, um, do you fall into role playing? So we'll, we'll talk about like, uh, okay, I'm going to be a dad. No one knows how to be a dad until they're a dad. And then they role play what they think a dad should, should do and be right from, from their experiences, stuff like that. Being a role, so you're a bass guitarist. Gene, are you yeah. like Gene Simmons, woman? Like you thought well, that's the role I've got to play in the band. <laughs> Was it a thing? Did you come into it with, did you have girlfriends leading into it? And has that a, um, yeah, and then I didn't. And then, <laughs> um, no, I I did, and then it's interesting. I think the roles within bands, it, it kind of, it'll, it'll naturally sort of find itself. Like I think obviously the Wolf Brothers is me and Nick, but we've worked with Brody and Casey since school, you know, and I even I, I think they would agree, you know, probably from early on, we've probably definitely been the leaders and sort of said, you know, well, we're writing this, we're singing this, we're doing this. Um, but as for, you know, um, I wasn't total Gene Simmons. I I had a few moments when I was single and, you know, I, I'll tell you what was interesting was um, Australia's Got Talent. No, I'll keep it all PC. No, no. But <laughs> Australia's Got Talent was really interesting because because I've always been a bigger guy and I, I, I was – I don't say I was picked on in school. I wasn't. I was, but I, I was a bit. And I, I guess my response to that was always being louder and being funny and being, you know, almost trying to be the center of attention. But I remember, you know, I didn't have a lot of luck with chicks in my teen years. But then Australia's Got Talent come along, and it was like they were literally lining up out the front of the hotel. <laughs> I was like, this is all right. This is really good. This. So um, yeah, it was a. That was a. Mentally, I found that whole experience wonderful and it was great for our career and it kicked us off and it did open a lot of doors, but reality TV is not reality and it, it, it it's not, yeah. It, it, it can be good, but I think mentally you need to prepare yourself for when it does sort of end and it's not a it's not a fun, yeah. I, I found it great, but I also found some of it a bit hard, if that makes, if that makes sense at all, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. So some of it was some of it was really good. <laughs> so I mean, has that had an effect? Is that some of that knowing now that you could tell yourself and go like, "Oh, we, f- I fucked that up. Don't do that again." If if you yeah. could tell yourself, like future Tom talking to old Tom, going like, "Bro, do not fucking yeah. do that because you're gonna fuck it." Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, well, that is actually to be, to be completely honest and frank. Um, about 2014 was the first time I actually uh, went to saw, had to go and see a psychiatrist. It was actually was had got myself into such a bad mental state. I was couldn't sleep. It was really bad, and and that had all come from just terrible decisions and a bad, really bad breakup, and which was my fault. You know, I was out trying to be Gene Simmons, and then. I kind of realised that lifestyle's not really going to work for me, and and then I ended up in a pretty bad place there for a while. But um, yeah, going back, I'd be like, don't, don't do that, <laughs> <laughs> don't do any of that. Just keep it together. But look, I mean, that's life. Is also the other side of the coin is, you know, I'm pretty happy with who I am and what I am and what I stand for and what I'm about at my this point in my life. So. I wouldn't have probably got here if I hadn't had all those experiences. I probably wouldn't have liked to have hurt the people I hurt back then on the way, but I do know it's all good now. So sometimes when you're in them dark places, it's hard to see a way 
out. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, it's oh, it does happen. It does happen, you know. Fuck, mate! I couldn't. I, <laughs> to, to sit there, <laughs> I wouldn't know how to do it. To go from that, and then you, because you guys go from that, you blow up on the stage, dealing with with being famous. Let's let, without coining mm. the word, you know. Uh, and then you've just signed internationally with BMG. What this year wasn't it? You got your international signing. Yeah, yeah. This year, this year we were meant to be in Canada and America and sort of beginning the world domination, but it didn't quite, it didn't quite happen. But um, fame's an interesting thing. Like I don't, I don't really like fame. Like I mean, my, we, my we wife, say that with a um, you know, grain of salt. It's not like we walk down the street in a no, hassled no. or anything like that. But yeah, what well, I my, find, my wife gets it's just weird how people. Um, approach you or something like they perceive you approach you yeah, differently because like, they think you know you've had that success i don't know they just they make you know what they do they make a lot of assumptions that's what i don't like you know they'll assume like and they and, and i don't know whether maybe i've sort of put it back to it's to maybe other people's insecurities and how they approach you but like i've been in a pub like literally mining my completely own business Stand there having a beer with a mate and people come out and like, fucking Wolf Brothers, eh? You've been in a fucking good paddock, mate. What are you doing? <laughs> and you're like, hello. <laughs> and then, But then they'll follow it up with, fucking love that, love that Uncle yeah. song. Fuck, good song, that. I don't, like, I don't know whether, what it are is. Are you we insulting always, me? We always sort of get that, where they come and insult us and then follow it up with like a, yeah, like a... A nice that's good thing. song, that. Oh, good song. Good and I don't know whether it's. Okay. I don't know whether that's because we're, like, we are very normal, down to earth guys, and that's kind of part of our music and part of who we are. I, I kind of think is that kind of why. But um, like I've had people come up and be like, oh, "Well done on all your success. It's really good." I'm like, "Oh, thank you." They're like, "Man, my friends are over there. You, maybe you buy us a round of drinks." You know? <laughs> I'm like, uh, hey. "Sorry." Oh, we all doing all right? Buy us a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Like, yeah, people, yeah. So people are very strange. Mate, that you know? first one, that is 100% ego and insecurities. That is blokes standing around going, I want to go and say day," but, and then they have a conversation back and forth in there. But what if he says this? Therefore, I need to, yeah. I'm going to knock him down a peg by being a fuckwit up front. And then you're like, <laughs> exactly. I wasn't exactly. involved it's in the totally... first half of that conversation, mate. It was all in your head. Yeah. <laughs> You, you are one hundred percent right, and and um, it, it's most things that men do like that is their own insecurities. I've sort of learnt. You can, I love you people. See, I, I love watching people, coming, and you can see it. You can see those guys coming in the um, in the line, like at meet and greets and stuff after gigs. You can pick them a mile off, and like <laughs> this guy is going to be an there absolute fuckhead. You know. <laughs> you know what though? But it's funny. He's literally bought every bit of merch. He's got a poster he wants you to sign. He'd be like, fuck, sign that, will you, boy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> chuck a signature on that. Eh? Nice, yeah. And then he'd sort of be leaving and he'd be like, yeah, good fucking show tonight. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what just happened? so weird. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. Like, you just, oh, it's bizarre. Like, it's, don't get me wrong, it's great. But I often wonder, like, for people with real fame, like, you know, like, if they were meeting a Keith Urban, do they do that? <laughs> Do they do they go up to their like Aussie country fans, I, mate? I probably, <laughs> probably. 
if they're our audience, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, do they meet big celebrities and be like, oh, fucking, I hated that fucking movie you were in. Like, I don't know. Like, it's bizarre. People are, I, I, I find, that's the one thing I don't like about any sort of fame. I don't like, my wife gets stuck into me. She goes, oh, you don't post enough pictures of us. And I was like, well, I don't want to. Because for me, I look at social media and that, that is just, a tool. it's advertising, a tool to sell my music and my band and promote gigs. I, I don't really like putting that sort of stuff up. Um, and I, my wife's pregnant and we're going to have a baby in May. And I've already said, I said, I'm not going to be one of those guys who's posting 15 videos a day of, of my daughter running around. Like, it's not happening. It says you know? now. <laughs> no, <Nah. laughs> it's on the record now. It's on the record now. Let's see. Yeah. But I don't. I don't want. I don't know. It's my. That's my family, and I, I'm not really into a lot of people seeing that. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But does that make sense? Does that yeah, make sense? That, you know, like I think I don't, I don't know. Know what. because they put up. They put, it's a. It's a social media is is. It's always the it's the fluff where people put on. You're like, is it really that good, mate? I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Never it's is. never, that never is. It's because we've got. I mean, man, that's one thing I found uh, a bit challenging with the band. You know, you always have to put on a facade that everything's bigger and everything's always awesome. You know, like, and that's. Part of why people come up and do that sort of stuff, I think, too, because they, you know, the stuff you post on social media is, is, you know, gigs, you post the best shot where it looks like everything's going off. You're not posting, you know, the ones where that didn't sell very well and you were fucking having sleepless nights over because, you know, you're not posting about yeah. that. Australia and, uh, in a whole and, has a bad tall poppy syndrome. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm, yeah. Yes. Very, and we found that touring America, that it wasn't like that. They, especially in Nashville, everyone wants you to do well, and they want to be there to help you to do well. And it's interesting here; there is a tall poppy syndrome. It's like, again, I remember this Australia's Got Talent, and I'm, the reason I bring that up because it was such a quick, you know, th- you know, it wasn't like the last six, seven years of work where we've done. It's sort of come gradually, but like Australia's Got Talent thing is like literally went from pub band to like. We, we started, we thought, right, we're going to stop doing that. We're going to do ticketed shows. All these people would come to our gigs for years. Well, like, we want to see you boys do well. And I can remember a guy one night standing there with a Jim Bean can, a Bundy can, and unwrapping a brand new packet of cigarettes, having a go at me because he had to spend $25 to come watch us play for two hours. And like, you go, you're fucking expensive now. I'm like, mate. You know, fuck you. The pack of jobs yeah, is 50 so, bucks in the end, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was just like, so there's a bit of that, but I, I, I found that that you just kind of get that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Is it our culture thing? It's, it's definitely a bit of an Australian thing. And I even find myself sometimes seeing other people do well, and I have to actually remind myself, no, they're, they're doing well. Because they've worked for it and they earned it and they've deserved it, you know. You've got to. I'm definitely guilty got to, of that too. Yeah, you, you see. Oh, Nick loves. You it. see fellow <laughs> artists, you know, doing something, and it's, it's just jealousy, you know. And it's, um, yeah. And if, it's everyone that tells you they don't do it, that they do do it, you know, they all do it, you know. But that look, that is what it. I think I don't know if it's a culture thing or I don't know, and even it's, the it's public different. persona, like 
uh, Philip Thompson, the federal member for Herbert, he's one of our patrons. And before he was a patron, he was a uh, he was a, a Afghan vet, got blown up. Um, he's canoed people in the head. He's he's been a professional. He's done a couple of uh, amateur MMA fights. He's literally broke his hands on people's faces and bodies in fights that I've watched. Yeah, and then people will come up to him in the street and start chest poking, like exactly that. They'll start chest poking him, and he's like, "Yeah," and he's just like, "Oh." <sighs> Hi, mate. How he, are you? Like, he's literally being attacked and being intimidated. And then if he did something, oh, it'd be on the media. Oh, Philip, Philip Thompson assaults the British. You're like, no, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. Like, um, And that's what I was really worried about in the last few months with COVID. Like, I was like, well, let's go and do some COVID-safe gigs. But I was like, imagine if there was a breakout. And then it would the headline would be be national news COVID breakout at Wolf Brothers None. show. <laughs> we'd get the we'd be oh well, there you go there goes the there goes the career. It's been a great ride. So yeah, that that is one thing honestly that that really I have real anxiety about is is that sort of mindset within the media and the social media world in 2020. I, I that's why I don't want to put a lot of stuff up because I don't want something like that happening where you, you actually didn't even do anything and then some fucking dickhead says something and because it's on Facebook, it's real life. And then, yeah, it's a strange world we live in. Bring back the Nokia 3210. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right, you know. There's just so much think- noise, isn't there? You know, like it's too much noise. Like, the first thing I do, it's probably the worst thing you can do when you just wake up, you know. You, you wake up. You grab your phone off the bedside table, you open Facebook, and usually it's like an ABC article or something that is on Facebook, and then I make the mistake of reading the comments, and they, they always post like an inflammatory question, you know. So yeah. then I read the comments, and then I get angry at people's opinions that don't, you know, conform with mine, and that that's yeah. it, and then my, that's how I start my day. I really need to stop doing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah, so much yeah. crap on there, you know. Like it's just yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't give. I don't all... like to give advice often, mate. But advice would be stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions that we normally ask people is what, like, what's your morning routine? If yours is I roll over and check Facebook, mate, then we don't want to put that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's well. That's, yeah. yeah, that's probably. Uh, but what is what is your ideal way if you if you want to supercharge? Like, what's your ideal way to actually wake up? How do you start getting in the flow of it? One thing I've been oh, doing well, that I've got a few ideas. <laughs> one thing I've, I've actually been dabbling. Depends with, on the uh, other, other person's willing. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry, okay. Uh, I've actually been dabbling a bit with uh, some of this cold water stuff that you blokes have been uh, talking about, actually. Not, not haven't uh, delved into the outdoor realms yet, but basically just just flicking the, the, the old shower to flat out cold, which, you know, it seems like friggin' nothing but it's a good little you know like water's pretty fucking cold down here i was about to say down there so um but yeah that that kind of gets you going it's just a little i suppose it's a little bloody challenge you know because it's pretty easy to not do it you know and uh just uh so that's been that's been kind of good but um pretty keen to check out some of the, the more uh might go and uh, hop in the bloody gorge here in Launceston or something like that. And, uh, yeah, there'd be some pretty freaking cold bits of water, I reckon, in Tassie we could find. So 
Yeah. Keep your pace. I, 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 haven't, I haven't done it in the last few weeks because I've just moved into a new house, but on the farm down here, but I, I do really like, because I've got a young puppy, so he is like up, like whether you want him to be up, and now we're about to have a baby, so I'm, getting, I'm never going to sleep in again. Um, but I do like to get up, make a cup of coffee, and I've been just sort of walking around the farm while I have my first cup of coffee in the morning with him, and it's been awesome. Like if you're up early enough, you see like all different types of birds. Like the other morning I saw like pink galahs, pink rosellas, cockatoos, now, if, if I'd said that to myself four years ago, I probably would have went, what? But I think I've, I've got a bit older and a bit more of an appreciation. I'd like that. Don't take the phone. Just sort of get up and do that. And, and then you sort of set for the day. It's a really nice sort of, it's It's, you know, it's a form even, of meditation, isn't it? You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's nice. You know, really nice way. And you just sort of see nature doing its things and the dogs usually chasing a wallaby and like, you know, then you'll end up having to like try and catch a wallaby. But you know, I do like that. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, Mate, I 100% agree out. with you. Like even, I mean, I'd love to live down there on the farm, but even in the city, there is something to getting up in the morning earlier than like, I've heard a bloke explain it. Like I'm up before they turn the matrix on. So like you're in the city and there's just people yeah. and traffic everywhere. And then you get there at four thirty in the morning, and there's no one awake. There's nothing happening. Yeah. And there's something it's like a bit of calm. Yeah, it is. I think that's what that, that's what it must be. It's like, like the world is calm for a minute, and then nine yeah. o'clock hits, and it goes fucking mental again. Yeah, yeah, it does. I used to do quite a bit of um, concreting um, in my apprenticeship, and um, a little bit after when I was doing a bit of subby work to keep the lights on. Um, and it, you'd be getting to a job at five in the morning, you know. And it was like that. You get there and the trucks weren't there yet and you just sort of, sun's coming up. And same thing. Man. It's not much happening. And then, you know, then everything starts happening at 7 o'clock and it's chaos, you know. But there is something in that sort of get in, have a cup of coffee and see the sky. We're so lucky down here in Tassie, like like the sunrises and the sunsets we get, you know. It's like just, you know, man, it's like. Pink skies, red skies. It's just incredible. We're so, we're so lucky. And I, I think I consider myself so lucky to be down here on the farm. Like I'm just, you know. Because you guys. I mean, I feel like. Because you guys toured for, for 10 years, literally on the road, near on 10 years yeah, straight, literally. right? literally. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> and when we weren't touring doing Wolf Brothers shows, we were doing Lee shows. And then when we weren't doing that, we'd go to Nashville and write or record. And then we'd go to the Like I think before COVID hit, I think I've worked out I'd only be home six days because we've been recording and away and um, like that's that's a lot. But I didn't probably realise how burnt out I probably was pre Like, you know, the actual forced stop has been good. I've got to say I sleep, I sleep better. I used to sleep in obviously a lot so obviously quite a night hour. You know, you don't finish work till maybe some nights 11 o'clock the time you sign and pack up and get out of there you know you're not in bed till three like you know come 10 10 30 11 o'clock here i'm on the couch i'm, you know, I'm becoming an old man i don't i don't know you know it's not the design i was wanted to be the next keith richards i'm not doing it that because right <laughs> anyway, so. you would go from uh, i remember we've seen you when you were on, on tour you were in townsville one night and you're like no we're back on the bus and we're going we're, then we're in Mackay, and then we're in yeah. the next night the next night the, like yeah, so you usually do um, start up in Cairns and sort of come down. But mind you, I love that run. Like, 
you know, especially coming from Tassie, you know, you're driving down, it's this sugar cane. Actually, the last time we did it, we saw a cassowary on the side of the road walking out of the sugar cane. I was like, man, like it actually feels like another world, especially coming from Tassie. Like, you know, and I do I do love that. And I, I have to, talking about phones, I have to remind myself sometimes to put the phone down in the van and actually look up. You know, sometimes we've been driving through some of the most amazing places. I remember we drove out to Marble Bar one night, driving through the middle of the desert on sunset, and then just off to the left, like a little scrub fire burning just in the middle of the desert. Like, you know, we've seen some things. I just think, wow, you're driving out middle of Queensland and there's literally no cattle fences, so the cows are asleep on the road. (laughs) And, you know, that's what I love about our country music is we don't just do the, the eastern seaboard, which is so often people will just sort of do Sydney, Melbourne and, you know, maybe surrounding suburbs. We get to go to, you know, Birdsville is a great example. We flew out to the Big Red Bash out there and like something like 10,000, 11,000 people come from all around Australia to Birdsville and they have a music festival on the edge of the of the Simpson Desert. Like it's that is just, you know, they're moments I just sort of go, man, you know, like I, I really have to just get in the moment and just, appreciate it because it, it, it's just so lucky to do it so lucky to do what we do mate put that on the list next we're going to the birdsville concert next time it's oh, just right and it's so and like what's it makes it a great festival i think is they don't um have a bar uh, I'm so not coming. It's com- <laughs> no, 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 it gets better. B-Y-O. No, it's good. It's BYO. Ah, <laughs> but what it does is it makes people listen a bit more. Because no phone reception. Instead of oh, no phone perfect. reception, so people just lock their phones away. If people have got kids, they literally the kids just spend the day on the sand dunes, which is behind the stage, so you see the kids. So, like, the adults will come in, bring an esky, a few beers, a bottle of wine or whatever, but they'll sit their chairs up and they'll listen. And then when they want to dance, they'll get up and dance. There's no, like, running to the bar. And you know what it's like at gigs. You go to get a drink at the bar and you see someone you know and you stand around and talk. Like, you don't have that. And that's some of the best audiences we've, we've played to. We, we played – we did the first one and then they, they enjoyed us so much we actually went straight back. They invited us back the next year. But then I think literally for the next two years after it, every gig we did, some someone had a big red bash shirt on oh we saw you we were there we were there <laughs> yeah and i don't know whether that was just like the sort of it commanded such attention because there weren't phones and, and all this other stuff yeah it was way more the level of just focus at that gig and and just just magical like it's amazing what those bloody phones have done to live entertainment you know but uh, audience yeah. participation is something that, that gets you going right like oh yeah i, I thrive on it that's sort of my my how I get my dopamine, <laughs> you know, like it's it's a it, it really is the best feeling is when it, the band's cooking and when the crowd is just honking and just in your corner, like um, that is the the truly the best feeling in the entire world, you know. And it's so funny um, how me and Nick are on stage, obviously being brothers, so similar but yet so different. If it's a rocking crowd, like even that Townsville gig, you know, it's, you can feel the you can feel the energy before you go on stage. I'll be, we'll be walking out on stage and Nick will be going like, right, just fucking keep it together. Just don't go. <laughs> don't. We have a thing called Rock Challenge Syndrome. There used to be a school competition down here called the Rock Challenge. And what it was, all the school bands would get up and play two songs. And what had ended up happening 
was because they only got two school two songs and there was school kids, everyone would just get up there and play at like eleven and scream for two songs. So the the code in our band is don't go full rock challenge syndrome. Don't go rock challenge syndrome. Just just easy and end uh, yeah. But it's great. That's the best feeling in the world. When a crowd's singing your songs back is uh man, that that is the best thing ever. Ever. Because you boys missed out on a on a uh, golden was it you guys got nominated for the golden guitar last year didn't you? Missed that uh, one last year. Yeah, year before we we finally well before year before we won four, but before that we lost thirteen nominations. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it was a long long time coming. But then we sort of all it all happened that uh, that year, and, and we sort of cleaned up. But uh, yeah, didn't didn't yeah. Uh, manage to get one this year. We got nominated. Uh, this January for no breaks for single of the year, so that'll be uh, cool to see how that goes. I'm not sure whether you know we go to Tamworth now with COVID because the festival's cancelled, but um, yeah, be nice to go there if they're doing the awards and stuff. But um, it'd be nice there we to go. Do something. So what? Yeah, the, what's so what's on the what? It, I mean, have you got any info on when when live music's coming back online? Yeah, like we've got some bookings next year. Some stuff in the early of the year, like. We've got a couple of Taz, two Taz shows in January, one festival that's not announced, and we've got our first full band show um, at just after Christmas down here. Um, but it's sort of looking like full-scale touring again is almost going to be the back half of 2021, mm. you know, like, you know, like, which is still seems it's still really another year away. Mm. Um, I think everyone's there was a sort bit of an expectation everyone's that, uh, you, you know, there's an expectation that New Year's Eve rolls around and like a, a switch flips and now it's all okay. But yeah. It's not really going to work like that, you know. Hey, my it's expectation was three weeks ago, Uncle Don gets elected again in America and he's like, and he already said, he's like, as soon as I get elected again, this COVID shit's behind us because the world needs to open back up. And now, unfortunately, yeah. they fucked their election and we're sitting in limbo. Who knows? If, if, he, if yeah. he ends up sorting his legal battle out, we might be put it behind us. But all it's going to, it's like, um, it's like lemmings. Like as soon as one country says we're opening <laughs> yeah. up, they're all going to open up. So, or yeah. in Australia, one state yeah. goes, "Hey, we've had a gut full. Let's just go back to normal." I um, mean, thanks. They'll all follow suit. good, you know. Like comparatively to a lot of places in the world, like you know, we're in such a good spot with it. Um, if anything, we've probably been. I mean, I'm not a bloody expert at all, but you know, feels like a little bit of overcautious, which is probably good, but. Yeah, just yeah. there's a few double standards that I think frustrate the music yeah. industry, and that you know the sporting events with you know forty thousand people standing shoulder to shoulder, and yet like but in Tassie, we'll, you know we can't even have a dance floor and put on a little pub show. Yeah. You know, yeah, don't really know how that makes we had sense. To do but- our first our first shows back due to COVID was an acoustic show in a bloody cathedral. <laughs> Where they sat people and missed an aisle each seat. Like now, don't get me wrong, it was actually really fun to do, but just to work again. But like, yeah, that same weekend, you know, there's like full contact sport happening. You know, people are allowed to, um, sex workers are allowed to do their thing, yeah. yeah. But we can't, we can't have a dance floor. So yeah, how do you be a sex a worker from two meters apart? That'd be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's ways, mate. You know. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah. So look, there's a double standard things, but I get it. I also get it that that you know, unfortunately, it's, it's all political because you know, like, 
our premier down here was when he sort of just shut shop and it was really popular. And then sort of that started to ease off. So now he's opening up things again, you know. So, um, yeah, man, I just hope it's – I hope we get – Because we're trying to get down to yeah. Tassie. Uh, I should probably know this because I'm supposed to be organising all the events. Sorry, Sutter. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to get down to Tassie with uh, Gav Pierce, the local member. He's a, a Liberal member. He's an ex-veteran and he's a fucking genuine dude and he's like come down and 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 – and do some sort of business mentorship for, for diggers and veterans in, in the space. But it'd be yeah. good to catch up with you boys if, you, if you're down there. And Oh, come down. I'll come to the farm and bloody put on a barbie and we'll have a bit of a session. And Yeah. Look, I mean, look, be, Tassie, Tassie's be... obviously open. My oldies are going down there next next month, I think. Just opened up. I think we're open to the every state. I could be wrong. I think we're open to maybe every state and territory now. Yeah, so, good. Um, which is which is wonderful. Mind you, though, I did a uh, interview yesterday for the promo for the new single, and um, they were like, "We're open. Tassie and WA are open." I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "It's just a mere three thousand eight hundred dollars a flight." Oh, yeah. I'm like, "Oh, good." <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> so if we took the band and our sound guy and the, uh, the crew over there, that's the challenge. Yeah, we're technically open now, but uh, you know the viability of doing shows to venues that aren't. Um, you know, half the half the capacity that that they would normally be. That that's kind of where the, the challenge lies for us, and huge flight costs and things like that now. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a challenge ahead. But you know, we'll be right. You'll have to start charging two packs of durries per ticket, mate. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> I got more. I got more. You just asked, <laughs> <laughs> mate. So when when's the best time of year to come down? Because I know Gav. Um, again, big shout out to Gav Pierce. He is a bit of a legend, but he, he we've got to get down there to, to have a chat about some different veteran programs. I think there's already a couple of good veteran programs going on in Tassie. Um, the, yeah. I don't remember the names. Keegan's got them, but yeah, we've got to pick a time because Mex has obviously hasn't well, locked in a date well, yet. Well, if you boys, you boys being Queenslander, you know. Um, you, you like the heat. I, I wouldn't be coming in the winter. <laughs> oh, mate, um, I'm, I'm half Swiss. I fucking love the cold. Like, I, I live in Sydney now. Oh, uh, right. You might be, I got to live in the thrive. snow you forever. Tassie's on, I, Tassie's on my board of, of places to move to in the next five years to live for good. Well, I tell you, I reckon a lot of people are going to do that. Yeah. In, in all seriousness, I think a lot of people are going to move here over the next few years, especially with, you know, what's happened with COVID. Like, I think. You know, we were sort of able to pretty much, apart from gigs and stuff, life was pretty normal. And then you saw what was going on in Victoria. Like, mm. you know, there's a global pandemic, but real estate in Tassie is still going up. Yeah. Oh, mate, you we know, were talking like, about this. We were in Byron Bay the other day. And crazy. Like, every, real estate in Byron Bay, people from Melbourne are buying it sight unseen because they're like, I've got to get the fuck out yeah. of this city because if this happens again, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's really common. And one of our mates is... Um, he lives in the city. He's he's um, going regional. He's going right out regional. He's like, I'm getting out of it. Yeah. I I don't blame it. I think a lot of people will. You know, I think a lot of people will. So um, for to start yeah. with, people will move out out into the country for a bit, and then they'll be like, "Fuck, there's no Uber Eats. There's no cabs out here." Yeah. I'll do it for yeah. a year, and they'll be like, "Nah, I'm going back." <laughs> me, and my, me and my wife went to um, some friends' place for uh, dinner the other night. We we're just having some. Um, well, she was pregnant, so she wasn't drinking. I was having some drinks. Um, and we were like, oh, we'll get some dinner. 
and we we laughed. They're like, "Yeah, we'll just order it." And I, like, we live on the farm, so you don't you can't go get takeaway delivered here. Yeah, shoot it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, delivery. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited about it. I was like, yeah, let's call them. Let's get them. Here. So yeah, there you go. That's that's great. Great for the podcast, Tom. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, mate. Uh, hey, look. I just from from seeing you guys. Is it? Do you guys call it a green room? What's what's the room before you go? Do you have a, a, a term for it? Yeah, that, that, yeah it's, it's, it's a green room. room. The one you saw us in was more of a cubicle from memory. <laughs> jammed in <laughs> like sardines. Some but, of the uh, some of the cubicles slash green rooms we've seen. You know, like a venue will. Um, Spend a million dollars and do the entire venue, but then but anything, leave the, the green, stage the green behind the stage. Like a glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who we were paying. Like. <laughs> oh, god. oh my god! But uh, lads, I just want to say like a big thanks for coming on and and for everyone else. Um, I mean, most of the boys, like I said before, that that are in the battalions and that. They follow your stuff anyway, and, and what you see with the Wolf Brothers is honestly what you get. They are the most genuine, down-to-earth dudes, and, and you guys have jumped on board and back Swiss from the start and just want to appreciate, say thanks, and we appreciate you coming on. And, and Before you wrap up, well, can we? Um, do you want to make that official, boys? We'd love to have you on as, as, as actual Swiss Aid ambassadors if you can. Absol- absolutely. Love to, uh, mate. Yeah. You guys as are- we've said to you guys, it's what you're doing is just – it's so good and it's such a so positive and so much good stuff you're doing for the community. Like, yeah, we're 100% behind what you're doing. So we would love to be Fuck ambassadors. Yeah. I'd be Go. sign sign me up. Done. Sign me up. Absolutely. Make yeah, it happen. Done. So what? Uh, Excellent. Before we, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> what have, what have you what have you got coming up? Um, some plugs we can drop for you. Um, yeah, like, you know, there is gigs happening. Like, if people want to check out the website, I think there is some stuff going up, as, as Tasmanians say, the mainland um, is happening soon. Um, but, yeah, just the wolfbrothers.com. New singles out, which is kind of like an 80s retro banger, which features me and Nick in the film clip kind of as Mario and Luigi. So, yeah. I mean, that's worth a look yeah. in itself. I'm, I'm really know? happy with that. Like, it hasn't got many views yet, but I thought it was a real masterpiece. But, uh, <laughs> so, if you want to, you, you know, give us a watch on that, that would be, uh, you know, be greatly appreciated. Yeah. Mario Wolf Brothers. It's really a – it's quite a concept. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, what about the Friday night stuff? Are you going to keep doing that? Because that's been sick, like watching, yeah, watching yeah. live stuff on Facebook on Friday nights. That's been – we uh, yeah. didn't expect to be doing that, but the, the sort of guest list we've managed to pull together has been awesome. We had Kevin Bloody Wilson on last week, and it was just off its head. Like, uh, it, it just destroyed us, basically, which is <laughs> uh, um, God, It just – it got better. He sort of warmed up, and it just got better and better. And before we went on air, he's like, can I say what I want to say? He said, do I not swear? I was like, Kev, you just say whatever you want to say, Kev. So that was, yeah, that was really cool. Really, really cool. Even I think the, even the guy's doing chewies of... and heaves in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the old, uh, no. the old CrossFit group round that night. So, uh, yeah. yeah, we might, uh, might get them on for an end-of-year uh, performance. So there we go there. But, uh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, no, it's been no, pretty no I think we're going to – Yeah, we're going to look at – We're going to uh, go up to – 
wrapping it up uh, at, the end, at uh, December 18 for the year. And then I think um, next year, you know, hopefully when things get back together, we probably won't be able to do Friday nights anymore. So we might move it midweek. And we'd kind of like to, um, yeah, get into the podcasting world a yeah. bit with it too. So maybe change the format slightly and, you know, I've got to learn how to talk. So that would be probably a good way to do it. So I'm surprised you don't have a big horseshoe or dip in, mate. Yeah, I got one out just before I jumped on, actually. So, <laughs> so uh, mixed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've, still, I've still got it in. I was panicking because I'm like, this stuff makes me I just haze. I'm like, I'm going to get on there. The camera's going to start rolling and I'll go quiet for fucking 90 minutes, mate. <laughs> Can I just say what is so bizarre? Like, I've smoked. So you would. we lived in America. You'd think the guy who's smoked and been a smoker would be the one who'd get on the dip. But then, like, Nick's never smoked, um, actually hated the idea of even me smoking, and then one day it just seemed rocking out of the, with a can of dip, just packing that, getting ready to pack that lip. I'm like, That's good. what are you doing? It's good like, stuff. I reckon we smuggled in, um, sorry to Australian border control, <laughs> I reckon we smuggled in about 100 cans. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. 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 Nah. There is no proof. More than 20 the, years um, ago. Proof. <laughs> I'm onto the. Uh, it's not actually tobacco I've got at the moment. It's like a uh, nicotine, some one. sort of must like nicotine. The it's nicotine, but it's not tobacco. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's. Mate, uh, yeah. I had one in Thailand. These girls were rolling around with dip, and I thought as soon as I saw a chick with dip, I'm like, oh, I might be in love. But she she gave yeah, me one, yeah. and it was it was all white. And yeah. she's like, oh, just yeah. be careful, they're strong. And I'm like, right, oh, sweetheart. Put it in, passed out. Like, yeah. I didn't actually pass out, but I was starting to wobble, starting to go down. I'm like, what the fuck was that? It was just nicotine. My, uh, my CrossFit yeah, right. coach, I gave him um, a dip at a barbecue recently, and he, um, he had a nosebleed and passed out <laughs> in, in the toilet. So... Um, <laughs> Oh, we got, so that was good. Wonderful. We've got good. a few of the boys yeah. over time. Me and Max gave our last dip out in um in New Zealand to one kid that had never dipped, and he just like greened out underneath his hoochie. It was just gone oh, down for the yeah, count. It's, um, <laughs> it's uh, not for everyone. It's nope. not for everyone. No, nah, it's amazing how much it knocks people for a six too. Yeah. It's just like that insane yeah. nicotine. Yeah, get it's good. Uh, it's a performance yeah, enhancer. I use it to uh to increase my <laughs> mental acuity. You know, that's what I. No. <laughs> No worries. <laughs> All right, cheers, lads, for coming on, and uh, we'll stop the recording there, but it's been fucking amazing. No oh, worries, thanks, boys. Thanks, Steve. Bloody, hope, hope we, um, I don't know if we gave any good, insightful content, but it was a lot of fun anyway. <laughs> I think it is, yeah, mate. I think people yeah. seeing you guys going through what you went through and, and the hurdles and, and the do's and don'ts, I think it's been a massive, be a massive bonus for our audience, mate. No worries. Thanks, boys. I I hope so. I um, we're definitely not we're definitely not perfect, but we're human and we're just trying to do our best. And I think that's all you can do. So hopefully, there was something in there that someone might go, "Oh yeah, I went to that." Good. (laughs) Cheers, boys. Cheers, lads. Cheers, boys. No worries.